Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Church is good. It's so good to be together. God's word is good. So thankful for so many parts of our church and my small group. Uh, we're studying First Thessalonians in the New Testament together right now, and it is just powerful. It's such an encouragement. Love those guys. Love God's word. Uh, growth track is just love it when people trust the process. And I get to teach step one of the growth track, and we saw several people recommit their lives to Christ uh, the first step of this month, and it's just so wonderful. I get to serve on the worship dream team. Very thankful for uh, who I get to serve with and my coach, dream team coach, Pastor Chris Brown. He's just such an encouragement too. And I am overflowing with thankfulness. I got to tell you, yesterday when I was prepping the sermon, the, one of my favorite songs, I've been riding on this roller coaster ride, round and round I've seen the up and down side, but I'm here to tell you that the secret of life is to be thankful, thankful. Are you thankful today? I know it's not because there's nothing. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so we're going to be thankful today. We're in this series on refreshing, <sighs> refreshing relationships. This is just so great when you have a, a friendship, a relationship that is refreshing in your life. I hope that you're refreshing someone else. Pastor Kelly's last two messages on, I just think they're must listen on marriage. Uh, that was a very powerful, powerful message. I'm grateful for uh, my marriage and my wife. And then last week on how to help our kids hold on to faith. That's uh, such an important topic. This weekend we're going to talk about how to be a disciple in the digital age. And uh, it's obvious that it's the digital age, it's affecting our behavior and who we are and who we are becoming. And it's a spiritual topic that we've got to talk about. Our digital devices are powerful. They're powerful in, in what they mean to us and how they affect our lives. They're also just powerful physically, like in what they are. Can I show you a picture of the first portable hard drive? This is the first portable hard drive, five megabytes, thousands of pounds. In your phone, if you've got the cheapest phone, you have a thousand times that uh, just on you all the time. In 2007, uh, the smartphone was named the most uh, important, the invention of the year. But now since that happened, I mean, it's been renamed because the smartphone is by far the most behavior-changing invention in the history of mankind. I'm not saying it's the greatest invention in the history of mankind. That's obviously the refrigerator. But it's... <laughs> A behavior changing, I mean, like a refrigerator, you can only do a couple of things with that. A car, amazing invention, but you can only do a few things with a car. But the smartphone, it's a, it's a traveling device, I mean, GPS, it's a health device, it's an entertainment device, it's a music device, it's a workflow device. And when they decide to, decided to put a computer in a smartphone, it changed everything. Hundreds of millions of people on the planet own a computer, a laptop, a desktop computer. Billions of people own a smartphone. 
In fact, you can just know everything you need to know about the state of the world right now. If you look up the ratio of toilets to smartphones, and uh, we need more toilets is what I'm saying, is we've got a, uh, we've got a priority problem. Um, but before the smartphone, people actually listened to the phone. I remember years ago when my grandpa said to my grandma, referring to me, he's staring at his phone. And she's like, why is he staring at the phone? She is picturing me standing in the corner, looking, staring at a phone, hanging on a wall that you can only make calls on. And it was just mind blowing to her that I'd be looking at a phone. And we look at our phones all the time. We look at our phones while we are waiting. Like we know people by the tops of their heads more than their face. We look at our phones uh, while we're getting ready for dinner. And dinners often look like this. We look at our phones while we're walking. We look at our phones while we're in the bathroom. I don't have a picture of that one. We look at our phones uh, while we watch TV. This is a couple watching television. And, and Nielsen would tell you that everybody is looking at another device while they are watching television. Now, the latest statistics tell us people check their phone every 10 minutes on average. That means we look at our phones 80 times a day. That does not include computer screens, that doesn't include TV. I thought this was funny, I saw this. My kid asked me what it was like growing up in the 80s, so I took their phones away and turned off the internet, and then that's pretty much it. That's the 80s right there. Now, if we're gonna spend uh, this much time looking at a device for the rest of our life, we need to deal with it as a spiritual issue. How can I minimize the negative parts of this and how can I maximize the benefits? How can I use it for good? And before we begin with this, I just want to kind of prime the pump of this message with a passage of Scripture. It's the first part of Ephesians 5. Second part of Ephesians 5, Pastor Kelly read a couple weeks ago um, because it's a, a Christian marriage, Christian household passage in the New Testament. This first part of Ephesians 5, I want us to read this today. And I don't have time to pause, I don't have time to teach on, on it or, or go into everything. But what I'd love for us to do is just read it through the lens, just think about your relationship with the internet, the world's relationship with the internet, and our relationship with digital devices. And just think through this passage, read this passage with that topic in mind. Here's what it says, Ephesians 5 verse one. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
and find out, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because these days, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, digital technology has not ushered in any new temptations. Uh, That passage wasn't waiting around for 2,000 years until the invention of the internet. Uh, But it is a new resource for the old temptations and struggles. They're temptations that have been around forever and ever. And I say this because there's two extremes you could take when you come to this topic. And that is one extreme is if we could just go back. If we could just go back to before the internet and before all of this stuff, that things would just be so much better. But there were all the same temptations, problems, and issues then. Another extreme is those who would say, these are not affecting our life, this is not affecting our behavior, when obviously it is. And some tend to think this is just a younger generation issue. But according to Nielsen and many other people who track this, older adults' screen time is 12% more than people ages 35 to 49, and a third more than those ages 18 to 34. I'll tell you, most of my friends my age uh, have expressed concern for how much their parents are uh, just deep diving into screen time and social media and TV and uh, different kinds of things. This is just, this is a human issue. This is no one generation. Uh, This is no one specific group. Uh, This is a spiritual issue that we can address. So let's look at some, uh, just some spiritual hazards of digital devices. Most of these I pull out of that Ephesians 5 passage. What is, what is a hazard? A hazard is a potential dangerous trap. Um, like if you're walking through a minefield where they buried mines in the ground, it's a hazardous field, and if you step on a mine, it will trigger. What are some hazards we can be aware of? Number one is I could waste, with these digital devices, precious time. Time is your most precious commodity. You only have so much time. You can, you can always get more money. You can always get more energy. You can always create uh, more of something, but you can't create more time. So life management is really about how you manage your time. It's really about time management. And if you learn to manage your time, you learn to manage your life. We make our days, and then our days make us. They make up who we are. In Ephesians 5, it says, be careful how you live. Now, this word careful, that's not like fearful. That's not like watch your step, be careful, don't fall. It's be careful like it means intentional. Like someone walking a tightrope, they're obviously not full of fear. 
but they're not going to be careless. They're intentional in every step. In America, we are spending 3.4 hours a day looking at our phones. That's just shy of 24 hours a week. The average person living to an average age will eventually spend 11 solid years of their life looking at that object, looking at that piece of glass. That doesn't include TV, that doesn't include a computer, that doesn't include video games. It's 11 years looking at that device. The Bible says this, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. I can do whatever. But not everything is beneficial. And this is a principle we could apply uh, to a lot of areas. We could apply it here. It's saying some things, they're not necessarily wrong. They're just unnecessary. Is it a sin to spend hours watching camping videos? Is it a sin to spend hours watching the news? Is it a sin to spend hours watching funny cat fails? I hope not. Um, <laughs> no, it's not wicked. It's just like some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And as you, you got to ask, is this will, worth me giving my time, which is my life? Is this worth giving my life for? There's three kinds. If we could just simplify it or boil it down to this. Uh, there's three kinds of media. There's good stuff. This isn't in your notes. You can write it down if you want. There's good stuff. But what do you do with that? You receive it wholeheartedly. There is stuff like, like this sermon's going out on podcasts and online, and I hope that it's just received, that people just take it in. There's worship music and devotions and stuff that's just, it's worth receiving. I mean, some of you are taking notes from this message on an app. That's powerful. Just receive that. But then there's also bad stuff that we just reject. We just get it as far from us as we can. Bad theology, pornography, podcasts and shows that, I mean, you look at the top ranked podcasts right now, how many of them are about murder and serial killers? Like, that's just, that's not worth our time. I'm amazed how many shows and movies have me rooting for the bad guy. They want me to root for the bad guy. That's evil. We're in a war between good and evil. You're supposed to root for the good guy. And so I just reject that stuff. If it's something that's going to, man, it's going to take the evil person and try to redeem that and have me root for them and take down the good, that's bad. Reject it. You're supposed to, this stuff's supposed to help us in rooting for the good things in life. And then there's stuff that it's not bad, it's not good, you couldn't really categorize, it's just neutral. And what do you do with that? You redeem it. It's a show that you, you watch it with your family and it's a fun family thing together. It's a game where maybe that's a bonding experience to play that with your kid and you just redeem it in some way. That, that, but you gotta just watch out that, man, how much of that am I just giving my life to? I'll tell you from personal experience, too much Curious George, and uh, you're dressing yellow and talking in exclamation points, and huh? Huh? And then Lauren's like, Ryland, you gotta stop watching Curious George. But anyway, uh, okay, where are we at? The second hazard, number two, is I can be deceived by the world's values. The internet, 
social media, they amplify stuff. The news just amplifies stuff that's not important, but they make it seem like it's really, 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 really important. And the world and all its advertisers are constantly telling us how to think, what's important. Advertisers would love to teach us history, tell us how to respond, what to feel, what to think, what to do, what to buy, what's right, what's wrong. And right now, not as many people are going to church, uh, but they're still going to the news. They're still going to their websites, blogs, editorials. They're still going to social media. These things shape our ideology. The world is constantly shouting at us through the internet. Is it any new temptations? Is it any new things? No, but it's a megaphone on this stuff uh, that has come into every one of our lives. And if you listen long enough, if you listen long enough, you start thinking, well, uh, that must be right, and that must be okay. If I see it enough, I start thinking, well, that must be okay, and it desensitizes me to sin, and I'm deceived by the world's value. If you look at something long enough, you know what happens? You begin to imitate it. We are all imitators of something or someone. We are all becoming more like someone. You're becoming more like someone every single day. This is why the Bible says several times in the New Testament, imitate Christ. Imitate Christ. You're going to conform to something. Transform into Christ. Become like him. Or we'll be, we'll be deceived by the world's value system. What are the world's values? Uh, here on the screen, uh, this, is, this is what they are. For the world offers only these things. This is 1 John 2.16. A craving for physical pleasure. That's hedonism. If you want to write this down, it's the temptation to feel more. To feel more. A craving for everything we see. It's called materialism. And it's the temptation to have more. And the pride in our achievements. And this is humanism. It's to be more. The temptation to feel more, to have more, to be more. It's the same three temptations. You see them all throughout history. You see them all throughout scripture. You see them in the Garden of Eden. They're everywhere. And we've got to choose, am I going to go with God's value system or am I going to go with the world's value system of the temptation to feel more, to have more, and ultimately to be more, which says, like, this isn't pride that I came in first place in a race. This isn't pride that I accomplished something at work. This is pride that says, I can be my own God. I can make my own decisions. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for you. And it's, it, all of this comes down to, at the end of the day, we are trying to be like God. The information age. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is be like God and that we're trying to be omniscient, knowing everything. We want to know everything that's happening uh, in the country, uh, what decision everyone's making, what's happening all around the world, and on top of that, how everyone feels about it and thinks about it and where they land on those issues. That's omniscience. Friend, only God is capable to handle that amount of information. Only God is able to sort out uh, everything that's happening in the world and how everyone feels about it and what they believe. And at the end of the day, we're trying to play God with this. And we're not God. We're not God. We're not made for that. We're just not, 
we're just not created for the amount of information that we're getting on a daily basis. Number three, let me give you a third hazard, and that is I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. <laughs> Are there some elbows flying or something in here? What's going on? Uh, have you ever heard somebody say something really outrageous and you thought, well, I need to set them straight. I need to respond. And every bone in your body just wants to obliterate them because of what they've just said. Do not respond when those arguments start up, especially on the internet. 2 Timothy 2.23, again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. This is affecting our relationships. The fact is, there are people who live to hook you. People whom their adrenaline goes up when they have found somebody who will go in for a fight. They don't even care what you believe. They just like to fight. They just like to argue. And you think, well, I'll set them straight. But you can't. Because they're using what's called motivated reasoning. Motivated reasoning. Which means no matter what you say, and no matter what reasons you bring, and no matter what facts you put on the table, it's not going to work because it's not even about that for them. And finally, I don't know after how many times you respond to them back and forth on a text thread, over a phone call, on social media, online, through a DM, you finally realize it's worthless. And you realize I'm not going anywhere. This is not changing anything. This is not changing them. They just like to fight and they thrive off of it. They've thrown something out there, something provocative, something stupid, something that pokes at something at you or something you believe, and when you respond to it, they go, yes, I've hooked a live one, I've hooked a big one, and they start reeling you in because they don't feel alive unless they are mad. Proverbs talks many, many places about this type of person, that some people are like that. They just don't feel fully alive unless they're ticked off about something and letting somebody know about it. And we've got to guard against that in our own life, that we can be tempted to live like we're not fully alive unless something is wrong, unless we're upset about something, unless we're not really truth carriers until we're standing up uh, to someone today. Scripture says a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as fire lights wood. And they're just going to keep arguing until you give up. They're not going to give up. They love it. They live for it. And they're good at it. They like to argue. And they, they just want you looking as argumentative and as foolish as they do. And whatever you say, uh, whatever you say on the internet is permanent. It's global and it's searchable. It's never going away. We've got to remember to teach our kids that. That you can delete it from your page. The company still has it. Big tech still has it. Someone has captured it. It's out there forever. It's permanent. It's global. And so we've got to be careful what we say and what we do because someone can pull it out of context later. Someone can do something evil with it later. Not only is God keeping a record of everything we do and say, so is the internet. And uh, the internet's not going to be as forgiving and gracious and loving as, as God is. 
Uh, The internet's not out there to save you like God is. So don't get drawn into unproductive arguments, unproductive things. Let me give you, let me give you two more. Another hazard is I can get addicted to the approval of others. Uh, We begin uh, to be much more interested in what a stranger thinks and what a stranger is saying than the people who are around us. The internet brings you closer uh, to a person far away from you, but it takes you away from the person sitting next to you. I'll say that again. It brings you closer to a person far from you, but it takes you away from the person next to you. Because the people far from you, far from you they don't even really know your faith, your life, what's good for you, what's right. Don't let public opinion decide how you act. Don't let public opinion decide how you feel. You know, we, we gain approval from other people through the internet. And so we begin doing things that we know the people that care about us don't approve of, don't want us to do. But then why do we do it? So like, you've seen this happen. A, a kid will begin doing something that you know they know it's not right. You know they know that the people in their life don't like it, don't approve of it, aren't rewarding it. So where are they getting the reward? They're getting it from approval from other people. It's not even real, it's virtual. It's not people in their real life, but they reward it, they approve it, so the person keeps doing those things. And we can be uh, seduced into living a life that's approval to people out there, but not to the ones who are really next to us and really invested in us. Let me give you one more. One more hazard uh, to digital devices that we got to watch out for is flat out, I could miss my purpose for living. I could be some, so distracted that I miss my purpose for living. If you allow that little thing, that phone, to interrupt anything else in your life, um, it's really become a god. And if we allow a device, a phone, a computer, a watch to interrupt anything, uh, we're, I, it's, it's an idol in our life. And that means we really value what's there rather than what's right here. Because nothing, nothing will keep me from looking at this or doing this. I've got to ask myself, uh, does, do I own this phone or does this phone own me? <laughs> Ryland, uh, which is the tool in the relationship? Is the phone the tool or am I the tool here? <laughs> if this can interrupt me anytime, uh, it's running my life. And I can allow it to distract me from what's most important. Now, those are the hazards. And I just want to finish today summarizing uh, five ways that, you know, what are some ways we can redeem this thing and use it for uh, God's glory. How can I use my smartphone for God's glory? And if you've been around Rockbrook for any length of time, uh, you know that God has given us some specific purposes to live for. And I preached on these specific purposes, five specific purposes, uh, just a month ago, January 16th and 17th. I'm not going to re-preach that whole message, uh, but that is a heartbeat message of this church. And honestly, if I could give one message this year, that's probably the one I would give on that God's purposes for your life. Why do you exist? Why did he create you? And so let's just ask, if it's that important, how can I use the stuff in my life to accomplish these purposes? Well, number one, I can use it to express my worship. I use it to express my worship. Worship is singing. Worship is a lot of other things. Worship is giving. Worship is creating for the glory of God. You know, that, that 
digital age wants to turn us all into consumers that we spend all day consuming with never an opportunity to create and give back. So how can this thing uh, help me to be a creator? Uh, that is worship. When you learn something, that, so many things that we've learned. I love that there was a serve day a while back uh, where this, this group did this amazing project. How did you do that? And they're like, we were on YouTube all day and we figured out how, how to do it. And there's so many things that you can learn to create and get better and give back through those ways. Uh, there's so many ways that you can uh, sing and focus your life and centering it on God throughout the day. Psalm 25.5 says, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Let's read these three words together. All day long, I put my hope in you. And all day, uh, we're putting our hope, we're centering our life on something. Well, if we have our phone with us all day, uh, what are some ways throughout that day it can help me put my hope and my trust in God? Number two, I can use it to encourage fellowship. Encourage fellowship, to encourage connection with other people. The very thing that can sometimes break connection, uh, we can use to enhance or encourage connection. Encourage fellowship. Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I love that. Anytime that you honor someone, you take delight in them. You take delight in something God takes delight in. And you're enhancing the fellowship. You're encouraging them. You're strengthening fellowship. So this digital age, all these apps, all the social media, uh, all the opportunities, it's not a place to show off. It's a place to show up. It's a place to show up in someone's life. And when you feel discouraged throughout the day, let me just give you the prescription to be encouraged. It's to encourage someone else. It's to reach out and encourage someone else. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this time we get to be alive. I don't have to wait a whole week to connect with someone in my small group. I don't wait, have to wait until we can have uh, events and conferences again to connect with this mentor or this pastor friend. That I can encourage fellowship. Third thing we can do is I can use it to enhance my spiritual growth. I can use it to get closer to Christ on a daily basis, express my worship, encourage fellowship, and enhance my spiritual growth. I can get closer to God daily because I have a tool daily that could help me with that. I love this passage, 2 Peter 3, 15 through 18. I think it's a wonderful word for our day. That remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with some wit, some with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will end in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, let's read this part together. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Are the tools in my life helping me to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ?
And it comes down to a choice. It comes down to a daily choice of, am I going to use this to look at something worthless or something evil? Or am I going to use it to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? And then number four, I can use it to expand my ministry. What's that mean? Uh, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. The internet is not a place for you to be served. It's a place to serve others. I talked earlier about people who want to argue with you. How can you minister to them? I'll tell you how you can pray for them. When they want to argue with you, you pray for them. Now, don't tell them you're praying for them because they'll just want to argue about that. Uh, but you just pray for them and you minister to them by doing that. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You have been given gifts, giving gifts, teaching gifts, encouragement gifts, gifts of service. How can I use this age, this time we're alive, to expand that ministry, expand that gift? I, I just thank you for supporting this ministry as we seek to make a presence. I mean, we have people uh, launch the app, Rockbrook app, every day. People listening to sermons every day. You've got uh, over a decade's worth of messages uh, in your pocket. And there's just uh, so much opportunity there. You know, we had hundreds of people come that we got to serve yesterday through the Harvester's Food Drop. How did they find out about that? Almost all of them found out about that through the internet. It's a powerful way to expand your ministry. And then lastly, I use it to extend my witness. Extend my witness. Now, friends, you and I have an advantage uh, really over every other Christian that's lived for almost 2,000 years. And that is we have tools that get the message all around the world or that can get you all around the world. Jesus said, go make disciples of every nation. Who is he talking to? Every single believer that we are to be witnesses, that we are to be an ambassador. And for almost uh, 2,000 years since God gave us that commission, if you wanted to go somewhere in the world, I mean, you got on a steamboat. You gave up your life. It took months and months and months. And now you put a computer in an airplane and we are getting all around the world. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Is your life communicating a message that says, come back to God? Is your life on the internet communicating a message that says, come back to God? All right, now this message, this whole topic uh, is so big. Uh, this could have been a whole series and I know some of you are just right in the throes of this, of how do I lead my family uh, through this uh, digital age? And how do we uh, set up some boundaries? And what should those be? And how can we maximize this? How can we use it uh, for good? It's just a big topic. So I didn't want to end today without giving you a resource that you could plug into. And one that I would recommend is The TechWise Family, uh, this small book by Andy Crouch. It's Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in its proper place. 
in its proper place. And uh, it's, it's well done. It's good. And then I thought the timing was amazing that this Thursday on March 4th, uh, he and his daughter are hosting an online event. I think it's about two hours Thursday night. How to thrive in a digital age. How to thrive in a digital age. And uh, that's not a Rockbrook event or anything. It's just a... Just the timing came together. This author is doing that thing this Thursday night. And uh, I'll leave this up on the screen for a little bit so you can get that down if you like. Uh, But friends, let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. God, uh, we want to be disciples. And we do not get to choose when we are alive. We are alive in this age. You've put us here and you've ordained our days. And Lord, you wanted us to be alive in this time. And I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to be deceived by the world's values. I want to be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. I don't want to be drawn into unproductive arguments. And I don't want to be distracted from what's most valuable, what's most important. I don't want to miss my purpose for living. So God, help me to use anything and everything in my life. I give it all over to you. Lord, I don't really own anything. I'm a steward of this. And so just help me use the things in my life to express my worship, to encourage fellowship, to enhance my spiritual growth, to expand my serving, my ministry, and to extend my witness. Maybe you've never prayed anything like this before, but I just invite you to ask God to put people uh, around you in your life who are ready to hear the good news about Christ. And maybe that's a prayer just like this. God, it just seems like so many people in my life want to argue, want to push back, uh, want to put on me uh, the world's values And they want to argue. And God, I just, I want to be ready for you to put good people in my path where the soil is rich and it's soft. They're not hard-hearted. They're ready to be encouraged in the things of the Lord. And so God, I ask for you to do that. I can't manufacture that. uh, But God, uh, you can do that. You can do that work. Lord, we just continually open up every part of our life to you. We want to be Jesus followers. We want to learn to trust you and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.